your host, Eric Balance, and this is the Resilient Minds Podcast. Join me as I explore the capabilities of our minds and how our X Factor can become our Y Factor. Now is our time. Welcome, everybody, to the Resilient Minds Podcast. I'm super grateful, humbled, and excited to be here with Mr. Anthony Trucks. What's going on, my brother? Nothing much, man. How are you doing? It's good to have you on the show, bro. It's, you know, it's been a few weeks since we talked last. I'm excited to have you, man. Yeah, yeah I'm excited to be here, man. I'm, I'm ready to rock. I got my Oregon, my Oregon hoodie on today. We're, we're in the groove, man. Yeah, buddy. Let's yeah. rock it. So, got sound effects, too. We can rock and roll with that. <laughs> oh, dude, we're all set. It's like it's like we're on the field. I yes, love it. I love that. Yes. And for those of you that don't know, Anthony's a former NFL player turned transformational identity shift coach. After he realized that he began taking the necessary steps to reprogram himself from the inside out, he spent years researching, practicing, and essentially rewiring his brain on a deep psychological level to achieve the necessary changes to become the person he wanted to be. Little by little, he started to put in the work, and after years of trial and error, he slowly became a well-oiled shift-making machine. I love it. Shifting into his ideal identity is the only way he has been able to achieve his success in his career, and it's also the reason why he was able to bounce back in his personal life, repair his marriage, and be the father that he always has wanted to be. Anthony became a speaker and a best-selling author to give back to those successful or not feeling stuck, uninspired, hopeless, because while he is beyond grateful for his journey, he wished he always had somebody to teach him all that he knows today. It's his passion and his life's mission today to pass along the knowledge that took him 30 plus years to learn. And on those who are struggling, just like he has, he is here to coach people through the identity shift that they need to make in order to create the life that they deserve. So you guys, we're in for a treat today. We're yeah. in for a treat. Brother, yeah. tell me, how has, this, how has this been like this experience of life that we're so grateful to have today? Oh, um, you know, I always share of our like biggest experience being our X factor and our Y factors being the Y that we're continuing to push, to persevere, to manifest yeah. in our lives. What was yeah. that switch for you, bro? What was that like? I'm sure there were so many defining moments, but one key defining moment that was like, Fuck, I need to like wake up today and like, let's go and yeah. execute. It was, uh, it was January 1st, 2016, actually. I, and I've, I've lived a very interesting life. Uh, not from a stance of like, you know, just like I took trips and everything, but I've had a really up and down, like traumatic childhood and losing a lot of people, a whole lot of weird stuff. And then it's crazy. I went from like low to high to low to then back high again. And my, my second low, shoot, my third low, <laughs> my third low before I've got to the point of like, I'm on a trajectory now was January 1st, 2016. I was divorced. I was not a great dad. Business wasn't going very well. I was out of shape. I was broke. Like it was all this thing. And then at the same time, like I'd figured I wanted a better life. My mom had passed away. Like I'd, I'd gone, I was in the middle of a funky divorce and all this weird stuff. And I woke up and I'd been doing the, um, the playboy thing, you know, like you travel around and you have a bunch of different yeah. partners, you know, and it's one of those things where sounds good. You know, it sounds cool because I was I was actually I married my high school sweetheart, had three kids. We were together since 16 years old until like 27, 28. And like I, I was dialed in. But then when I got free, we'll call it, which wasn't even like the free I kind of wanted to be. Man, I got to this moment where now all of a sudden 
I'm navigating this world of being single, but I don't like being alone. And so I figured like, I'm gonna go ahead and just, you know, meet a bunch of women and do, and then dude, man, next thing I know, I'd, I'd gone to Russia, I'd met this woman, uh, I was doing a presentation in Russia and I'd come back and like I invited her back, couldn't speak English, like we couldn't even communicate, like it was Google <laughs> Translate all the time and you, and you think like, yeah, look at me, I'm this guy, I got this Russian girl, but I woke up and it was January 1st, I went to the bathroom and, uh, and I'll put it this way, and I, I say this because it just so you guys understand it, but not because I'm proud of this, but I remember we like, like a 20 pack of condoms and like three days went through like 16 of them. You know, like it was just this, that's all it was. It was all it was. And I woke up and I went and looked in the mirror and I just, I had such a weight of shame. Like I, I, I was embarrassed and I'm embarrassed at times to say like, I was still a man of faith. I, I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 18 years old. And like I'd lived a really good life and this all broke apart and I just disappeared from it all, man. And I, I thought in my head, man, I would never want my daughter to ever be with a man like me. I'd never want my sons to emulate any part of who I am. My mom would pass away, would be turning sick, knowing this is how I'm living my life. And my God wouldn't let me into heaven. And that was the pivotal point. Like in leading up, I had a lot of moments of like kind of getting towards it, kind of getting to, you know, like, because we make those small micro commitments. I want to do this and I want to do this. And, but like, I never really got to the point of getting it because there's an underlying issue I hadn't addressed. There's something that when we all had the same underlying issue, no one's really focusing on. So I try to mask it with books and I try to mask it with go to this training and buy this course and go in this little group and do landmarking, right? I'm masking these things and, and it, I just, I hit this head of like, why is it I'm doing all this work and nothing's making sense? I'm not making more money. I'm not being more joyful. I'm not getting in. None of it seems to work. And I got this weight of shame that finally became the catalyst. I was like, this gotta, I gotta stop. I literally can't do that. I cannot keep living life in this direction right now because I'm going towards an early grave or I'm going towards an unhappy life forever. And that was the moment, man. It was that moment of like, I got to stop this. So I sent her home, um, not prematurely, obviously. I just remember like, it was like, I just, it was a weird last couple of days. And I was like, I just, and I kind of sent her home. And that was the beginning of the journey towards the Anthony you see now. Beautiful, dude. And I think so many um, men can resonate with that. You know, like, we have this ideology in our brain that of what it means to be free. Like you talked about free, right? Like, because, you know, freedom, right? Like it's, it's fascinating how so many of us have this like thought process. And I remember like, you know, going to date with destiny with Tony and there's this moment where he says, everybody stands up and all these men, they stand up and it's like, he turns on this Braveheart movie and it's like, freedom and we all like start chanting freedom right yeah and remember tony saying at one point it was like one of that was that so many men's value right like number one value is freedom 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 Mm -hmm. and him saying that as soon as he realized that he was always free from within that he never he, he was able to almost like hang that up in the hall of fame and say listen i'm always free it's always within if, it, if i love myself and i accept myself this is the true freedom yeah and i think that there's so many men out there that we think in our minds that we need to be free from relationship free from experience free from from having that where we we it's it almost becomes like a dysfunction yeah and and and, and, and I'm speaking for myself right now. I'm not speaking for all of them, but I, I definitely should say that it's, it's become a dysfunction in my own world at times of like this thought process of like freedom of, of relationship or like, and then, like you said, you know, having these like 
people that you're meeting or, you know, the girls that you're connecting with and then realizing that, hold on a second, there's something that's missing. There's something yeah. that's missing. Yeah. So freedom. I mean, to be honest, my experience of that was not free. I am. So I am now yeah. remarried to my ex-wife. We were divorced for three years, custody battle, all that craziness, man. Wow. And there's a lot of things that happen in our relationship that we've overcome. Like she had an affair. That's what part of our relationship fell apart, but she did because I was not a present husband. I was gone 6am to 10pm building a failing business, you know, and like, so I, I get why she did it. Horrible choice. I don't take anything from that, nor do we, but we understand it took two people to get to that moment. Right. So like, yeah. and I thought I was free. Right. But I wasn't free. I was confined internally to this. Like now I'm trying to build this, this brand in my business, but I'm, I'm also have like, there's like a need for, you know, companionship. So I'm also chasing women and trying to, you know, court women and do, it was just, dude, I say all that to say, I am more free now in a very locked, amazing marriage than I ever was prior to yeah. ever. Because there's this, like there's so many things off the table now. I don't have to worry about going out to bars and hanging out, right? In that capacity, I also have an acceptance from a human that lets me be free. So I know that I have a safe harbor. If I go and do something and I try something new and the rest of the world says you suck, it's like, it's cool. The person, the people in my home who matter, like I'm accepted here. So I can go and do stuff and know that I still got this back here. So I am more free now in a, we'll call it confined relationship than you ever, I ever was prior to. And I mean, a lot of that comes of what I, what I coach now, what came from the work I, I figured out internally as a human, but yeah, man, there, there is no freedom in freedom sometimes. Right. What do you think? Wh why do you think that is that we get so like um, connected to that experience of, you know, wanting to, you know, grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, I don't know, you know, because I think the world tells us we got to try and sample life. And I'm all for that. I think we do have to try. But I think the problem is people go out into the world and they're trying to find a way to sample life and experience it all and try it all. But they don't have a scale set for what that looks like. So what they have to do, unfortunately, is they have to adopt the world's scale. The world's mm -hmm. scale sucks. There is no end to it. There is no beginning. It's all over the place. And so the moment you do accomplish one thing or do one thing that you thought was great, there is inevitably somebody who comes along and says, but you didn't do this. You didn't get here. So I'm always in a constant space of lack. And so what I found in my own life is like, well, yeah, you can go and you should go sample life, but like know what a good life means to you. Know what you have as a scale. Like I literally tell people, go home. We have this exercise in our work. That's like set your own scale, go home privately, cut everything off and sit there in your own heart, in your own head, talk to one person max and say, Hey, I've, I've created this vision of my life or what I want it to be that I think could be great. Can you expand this one inch out of comfort zone for me? And I mean, one inch. Don't, if someone wants to be a singer, don't say, try to get a Grammy this year. You know, it's like record your first album by yourself. You know, something that's one inch out of comfort. And then what you do is now you have your scale and you complete that thing. And then if you get there and you say, look what I made this and somebody comes in and says, yeah, but you didn't do this. You can step in and go, I hear you, but look, I'm still happy because I did what I wanted to, man. I feel good here. I may set it higher, but like you can go take that somewhere else. But like, I think a lot of people, we get lost in the sauce, we'll call it of life because there is so much to do, but it's never ending if I haven't set what is great for me so I can just feel good about what I accomplished. That reminds me of like a component and it is, it becomes of like self-acceptance first before you, you know, seek acceptance in like from others, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You look at it that way for sure, man. It's, it's gotta be a self. Cause if not, then, then you're, you're trying to find the, the uh, I guess the, the fit that doesn't exist. 
It's super weird. And the thing is, people at the end of the day, they hear this and they won't do this. I'll tell them, set your own scale. They'll be like, I do. I know what I want. But then the moment somebody says that's stupid or I don't like this, they shut down. That's the greatest fear for a lot of people to put anything into the world. Even if it's not starting a business, it's like, hey, I want rejection. Yeah, I would feel rejected. And it's like, well, first off, who are you being rejected by is one thing no one thinks about. Just because yeah. some guy in, with cat photos and weird pictures of uh, odd paintings on his, on his Facebook says he doesn't like your stuff doesn't mean it should matter, right? You should take that insight from people you respect. And then secondly, on top of that, it's like, why, why do you want that? Like, if you are really clear on why you want it and it's cool for you to have it, then damn it, then want it and then have it. And then don't worry about anybody else saying anything negative. Like, I, I care and also don't care what people say. If I'm being honest, I'm a human. I care what people say about me. I care what they think about me, right? But I also don't, right? And it's a matter of who I choose to actually carry weight with. And so, like, if somebody doesn't like my stuff because of something I have no control over, I truly just don't care. Like, this is Anthony. It's how I show up. And if you like it, cool. And if you don't, that's also cool. I still love you. Go hang out. And if you troll me and say things, that's totally cool. If you want to do that, it almost makes me laugh at this point because I'm like, dude, it's not, you're not going to get what you want out of this. And I'm not going to give it energy. It doesn't matter to me, but at the same time, what if it's time, somebody would, that? Sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go. I think I know where you're going with it. I. What if somebody that that like means a lot to you? Boom! Right, somebody I respect. I use great question. If it's somebody that I respect, I may take it in and choose whether or not it matters. Right. So, if my siblings yeah. or my dad or somebody said something, I, if I respect them, I respect them, and I'll take it in. I'll I'll settle with it. But here's the thing: I can't live life for somebody else. That's yeah. the most draining thing in the world. So I do have certain people that I, I respect at a really high level. And if they say something, I take it. I'm like, yep, I got to do that, right? Coaches, mentors, people I put in that position. But there are people I respect and care about their opinion, but also realize like, man, I can't live to your limitations. I love you, but Thank I'm making you, a choice based on that information that I'm going to live to my limitations or what may not exist. And if it doesn't make sense to you, that's a, my best friend in the world. I love my best friend. He's my, he's my, I've known for 30 plus years now, but I kid you not, when we talk about the life I live, it doesn't make sense to him. And that's okay. And I love him and he loves me. He doesn't talk bad about it, but he's like, it doesn't make sense. I don't get it. I'm like, it's cool, right? And I take his insight, but I also don't live from it. <laughs> like, I hear what you're saying, man. He's like, he tells me, dude, it's just not normal to do what you do. Yeah, I know, man. <laughs> It's totally cool. It's not normal. I love you. Want to go to the barbecue this weekend? Like, what do you want me to tell you? Like, I'm not going to go there. I just take with a grain of salt. Yeah. And I think I read something that like really resonates with me about what you're sharing. And it says something about, and of course, this isn't verbatim because I don't remember the exact words, but um, basically saying, you know, when, when people are perceiving you and their map of the world, that reflection, you know, we can take it as our ourselves, but we also need to understand what lens they're looking through and the clarity of that lens, because that lens may not be clear either. True. And, was, oh, go ahead. Go. I, I'm gonna stop interrupting you because you're smart, man. No, I'll bro, you're good. You're good. Keep going. I love the thought. Go ahead. There, there was. Um, I, I think I saw this from Oh TD Jakes. I think T.D. Jake said this. I, I, don't quote me. I'm, I'm a try. He tells a story about having conversations with different people. And he says, you got to think about this concept of, of a, a turtle and a giraffe. And he says, mm -hmm. a turtle, at the end of the day, they're going to report what they see from their perspective. 
same location. The turtle is standing right next to the giraffe. They're going to say, I only see this right here. Giraffe says, I see all of this. And the turtle says, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? Giraffe says, no, I see all of this. And you're like, no, this is, what, this is all there is. This is what you're talking about. Frustration, right? And then if the giraffe, physiologically, if a giraffe lowers its head down to try to see at the level of the turtle, it will black out because of the lack of oxygen and blood going to the brain. Black out, right? So like when, you, when people try to like, they try to minimize what I can see and I kind of come to their level, it frustrates me. And I'm like, I just don't, oh. And then like you, you end up being like, you, get, you knock yourself out. It's like you're trying so hard to come to their level. And also you can't, you can't pick them up, right? If they want to become giraffes, they can. If they want to stay turtles, they're prerogative, man. So that's where I kind of live, like in my space of like, I'm a giraffe and I see this and I'm not going to come down to your level. And I love you. Hang out with me. We can all walk together, right? But like, I'm not going to fight to see your perspective. That's beautiful, bro. And I've never heard it that way. But that that element of like giraffe and, and turtle, it just, it, 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 it sheds such a beautiful light. And I think that so many of us, myself primarily i'll say is like you know i i think that um i see things that people think i'm crazy about you know what i mean like yeah, I you have it. this vision right like you you see so much into the future yeah. and um i remember just so many decisions being made based off of just truth like faith just 100 percent faith in the universe in my creator and myself and like just believing and knowing that I'll figure it out, I'll find a way or I'll, I'll make one happen. Yeah. And I think I that is where the magic really happens is by being in a giraffe because you see so much down the road. And I'm not saying that there's so many people out there that have the wrong perspectives. I have absolute compassion to different people's perspectives and yeah. and ways of seeing the world and, and, you know, the, 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 the feedback that I get and choosing whether or not that we get to like, um, look at that. But like, I, I, I really noticed that before where I would feel judged or insecure or, um, unworthy, I now like think about it in a way of I'm compassionate to what your thought are or your map of the world or your perspective of me, yeah. And I honor it. Yeah, you do. That's all you can do, man. And I mean, to be honest, like that, that's, that's society that, that's giving people what, what you want them to give you, right? Like if I want you to leave me alone and let me do what I do, it doesn't make sense. I can't, I can't therefore freak out on you because you don't think like me. I think it's a big problem in society nowadays. That everybody is expecting all of us to think the same when there's no way. Like I, my life experience and me and you could sit down and agree on a million things but I've never lived your life, your experience. There's so much outside of, of my understanding and awareness. I could never get in the same page as you. And if you're in opposition to me, I could love and respect that logically, but I just don't know, right? And then also social media nowadays, it shows you what you look at. So we could be sitting next to two different people that are in the same zone. I could sit next to my wife. I guarantee you, I am seeing probably 90% different stuff than she sees on her social media. So in this world where we're all trying to figure out, why don't you see that? It's like, man, why don't you just ease up a little bit on the fact that people don't see the world the way you do and let them live yeah. their life, man. Like let them live their life and they'll let you live yours, but they're not going to give you the freedom to live yours if you're not giving it to them first. Oh, it's so true. It, yeah, so true, dude. Like, I think that that is, it's a fundamental blueprint of of just like living, um, every day with 
the understanding that uh, how can I just give more um, risk, not respect, respect's not the word that I'm looking for, more of like, you know, uh, just, and I guess it just comes back down to, to compassion, to be honest with you. <laughs> I call it community, man. I honestly, this is this realm of conversation where you have like unity and equality and I think that all men are created equal, but not all men become or are equal. You know, men and women, there, there are certain aspects. There are women who are far more advanced than me and will be because they're ridiculous, amazing NASA pilots and working, you know, government. Like that's, but we're created equal physically, right? But I don't, I don't think we are. And I think we're all trying to like suit for equality. It's an odd thing for an African-American man to say equality. I, I believe that I have equality if I believe I have equality. If I, if I let you make me think I don't have equality, then that's a problem with me, right? But what I do think we should have is a form of unity because when we unite, yeah. it's actually in a sense to unite is to bring together differences, to bring together oppositions, to bring together, right? So in bringing something together, there's things you bring on and, and some things you don't bring on. There's a, a, a gelling space between. And so it's like this whole idea of like, if we can find unity, I think it creates like more of what we think, in my opinion, would be equality. Because now I'm saying like, I understand that you may not be equal and you might be above, you might be low, whatever is, but we're going to unite in some capacity, right? And then this unity, you find a peace. It's more of like an acceptance of where you're at and mutually. You accept me, I accept you. It's a different kind of flow in my brain of how these things work. And I, maybe I'm, I could be dead wrong, man. But for me, it's like, I, I think that we need a society more to lean towards trying to be able to unite more than to fight for this equality thing that I, who knows what that looks like? Because to be totally what honest, does that even mean? Yeah. yeah, what does it mean? How can you frame it up? I literally can't, I couldn't tell you what equality looks like. It'd be nice to be able to say this is what it looks like. But if I can't frame it, how do we aspire to something we can't frame or can't see? To say all people are equal, right? We're created equal 100%. But I read and I work out. I take care of my body far more than other people I know. Am I supposed to sit here and say that that man's equal to me and that he should have what I have? Like, if he's not earning it and working for it and fighting for it, what makes me think that that or him think he should have what I have, you know? And then so because of that, there's this thing of we should be equal in equality. And there's an immediate level of like uh, entitlement because we're created equal. I should have what you have. So that's the whole like where people who don't have money when I was broke, I was like, man, rich people should give back those who, are. but then I realized like, oh, wait, you know how hard it is to make money, to grow, to yeah. learn, to push back. Do you know how hard that is? So for me to do that and sit back and say, he should have what I have, like that old Anthony should not have what new Anthony has. He does. He's not, he doesn't, yeah. doesn't deserve it. He's not equal. He's built equal. He has the possibilities, capabilities, but dude is not the same dude. And, and that's the constant and never-ending improvement that we need to evolve into regularly, I, I believe. You know, it's just like having the audacity to step into this constant evolution. It's a lot of hard work. Like, you know, you, you know, you, like you said, 30 plus years you've been working on yourself saying, you know, me, I would say the past three years I've been like really heavily working on myself. Um, but before that, like decade ago, you know, I wouldn't have even thought to have this conversation you know what i mean like Same. this was yeah. not even in my realm of possibility right because it was just not even like i was not at that level of awareness what do you think what do you think that like you know our our generation like you know our kids and our kids kids really should be you know more more focused in or more honed in on when it comes to creating this new level of awareness of like unification of really understanding another perspective and and wholeheartedly 
accepting it, you know, like, because yeah. I think that there's so much discord in, um, you know, these, these conversations that are happening of like, you know, I'm right or you're right. And really, I believe personally that, you know, we're all doing the best we can with the knowledge that we have. True. And- yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we should. I, I think that the kids, um, I think for me, man, my, my thing is perspectively, like, I think that kids should be trying to, to live into a world different from their parents. Like I got kids, I got a 16 year old son, just got his driver's license on Friday, Friday, crazy. Friday. I got 11 year old twins, you know, they're going to be 12 by the end of the year. It's crazy, man. And, and I mean, there is that they're, they're growing up. I think the one thing that as a parent, I look at is they're growing up to be in a world far different than mine. I cannot prepare them for my world or they will fail as much as I want to, I can prepare them for how to be better humans, how to be more compassionate. There's certain things that I have built into how I'm going to have my kids like have access to my trust. They're all about being good human, learning how to learn, giving back amazingly, being you know good stewards of, of money. But the reality is it's like, I can't sit back. I, I have this struggle, the whole idea of like, you know, tablets and electronic time. I sit back and we all tell our kids, don't bury your face in social media all day long. And yes, to an extent, but am I stunting the growth of them for the future that they need to be prepared for? Does their future, not my world, does their future need them to have certain skill sets that I'm stunting by never letting them be on these things in a certain capacity, right? And so I think there are some things of personal growth. Like as a human, there's always going to be humans. Therefore, I should learn to connect with human beings. That's one, like learn to talk. My son, if you can't, yeah. if you go somewhere, like you can't talk to people online or like present himself, like you want me to give you a car that you drive around the world outside and you can't talk to somebody like this isn't going to be a good situation. Right. So the idea is like, that's part of it. But at the same time, like I'm looking at how am I giving them the tools to be prepared for their, their future that they will live in that I won't have any part of. Cause by the time they're in their future, I'm in, I'm in my hangout, you know, I'm living my life, hiring kids like them to do things to stay relevant. Like, you know, that this little 20 year old run a social media account from India. Cause I don't, you know, I'm 70 years old and I still got to talk and speak, but I don't know how this thing works This VR, you know, it'll be a different world. And I think that from the things we're talking about, there are a ton of things I want to give my kids, but at the same time, I got to realize we all as parents got to realize I'm going to have to give them things or expose them to things that I know nothing about and trust that they'll be able to figure it out. I think that that's so important and it becomes about trusting them but trusting yourself to trust them right yeah um, i yeah. mean as, as individuals whether you're a parent or not that you know like even you know as entrepreneurs having a team like we have to pass over that trust into the people that are alongside us and i think that that becomes so powerful because that means that we end up trusting ourselves wholeheartedly in our decisions yeah yeah 100 percent and trusting the fact that we, uh, we prepared them. Like at seriously, yesterday was the first time my son, he, he got his license, drove out. My wife's like, we know we have this thing called what life 360. I know where he's at at all times, but it's still weird sending him out there. My wife's like, I don't know if I'm prepared for him to go out right now. I'm like, this dude's going to go to college in, in about a year and a half. And you're telling me you don't want him to have full exposure without his parents in that world. You're going to send him out to like, dude, like you need to just let, like I'm telling her, like I didn't say dude to her. I might've, I say dude a lot. I have no idea why. I was like, yeah, you gotta let him go do his life. He's, he got, he's got to go experience this thing. And we got to trust that the last 16 years of loving on him and teaching him and all the things we did, that it shows up what it needs to. That's all we can do at this point. If I'm going to, I'm going to be able to sleep at night. I got to know that I I know his heart. I know his capacity is his capabilities. And I know that he has the comfort to reach out when he needs us. But yeah, man, now it's like, kick that damn bird out of the nest. 
because I taught her how to, the best I could, prepare for the flight when it was flying to the ground and hopefully it catches wings and takes off. Exactly. That's what they, isn't that, I think that's how the eagles learn how to fly. Yeah, they kick them out of the nest, man. You got to. And I, I try to force them more than she's mom. She's, she's talking about, well, when he goes to college, I'm still going to be checking his grades online and know what he's doing. I'm like, dude, you got to let this dude be. Like, he's a good kid. And the problem <laughs> is if he's always got crutches, he's not going to learn how to run. Like, you got to take the crutches out. Let the dude stumble and fall. He's not going to kill himself. Like, let him figure it out. So he gets a bad grade, but he learns, right? You can't hover because at some point that, that crutch, even if it's an emotional thing he knows is there, it's going to hinder him from having the strength. When I was in college, we always had to tape our ankles. Like we played college football, but at Oregon and every single practice, you had to have a, a wrap or tape, no matter what, if you came out without that, you were in trouble, right? Crazy thing is like hundred percent of the time when a guy twisted an ankle, guess what he didn't do? Tape his ankle, yeah. embrace it. Right now. Why did he get an ankle? Well, because he had had the tape always supporting the moment that was on just his muscles to stabilize toward plus an ankle. Right. So if we, and so the thing is, if you continue to keep putting that brace there, the musculature for that area will never be created. It'll never be born to be able to hold itself. So when I got to the NFL, man, I never wore tape. Like in college I did, I, I was like, I want to be able to have strong ankles. Now in games, well, I wore tape and games, I spat it up. I made them stable because it's a lot of tackling and moving, but I wanted to make sure in practice and everything, I always had the muscle so that even if I did, you know, have the tape, but I could still hang. I built the strength. How long did you play for and what team? Uh, I got hurt in my third year. I played for the Buccaneers, then the Redskins, and the Steelers. Bang, bang, bang. NFL stands for not for long, man. You bounce around and then you're out. But I, I tore my left shoulder in my third season. I'm getting surgery again here in like a month and a half to actually clean this shoulder up again because it's not fun. I got like a weird – here's my humor. I got a bone. Years, they won, they won, the, they won the, the, the Super they Bowl. They did. They did. I wasn't on the team. Would have been nice, but no, they did win. It was pretty cool to watch. I just wanted Tom Brady to win. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see like this dude just destroy all aspects. It, it's very rare to have a modern day athlete become the greatest of all time. It's, it's hard because you're, you're playing against a storied past and the game was different. So for him to do what he's doing, man, it is, it is incredibly cool to see and be part of because there, I mean, who else? I mean, think about Jordan. LeBron can't overtake Jordan. He's the LeBron's as close as we can get to like one of the best ever, but he, he can't overtake Jordan. The numbers don't line up. You, you, Wayne Gretzky, you got some guys, Sidney Crosby, which it's like, how are you going to overtake Gretzky? You know what I'm saying? Like, who's going to do that in football? We got a guy doing it. I mean, I don't know about soccer. How are you going to overtake Pele? You know what I'm saying? How are you going to do that? So it's like, it's cool to see somebody like legitimately outright, like dude is alive and he's the greatest of all time. And I get to watch it. Yeah, man, he's amazing. And it was amazing to see like, you know, Gronk back with him and, and yeah, connected cool. with him. Like Gronk, Gronk was on the show too. So he's, he's become a good friend. We, we got to know oh, each really? other. He's like a playful yeah. dude. I, you know, I like him. I like him because he's lighthearted in a very, um, hard nosed, rigid, rigid, like what's the word I want? Rigid environment. Like that's what it is. He's, it's a very alpha. And he just he's playful, man. It is rarity to yeah. see that kind of looseness. It's a confidence that people don't even know exists because it's a cutthroat game, man. People are trying to get you every day, and so for him to be able to play like that and be light, that's why he's good. He's not tight. Like he's just got a good heart, man. I don't know him personally, but it's what I see from a distance. Yeah, brother. Like he's so lighthearted and loving, man. We went after after date with Destiny. We went skydiving, and like the guys that's just cool. like all. He's off. That's dope, man. There you go. Good stuff.
Brother, I wanted to ask you because like, you know, you've been on this shift making identity, um, you know, how you're, how you're really helping individuals really yeah. step into shifting their own identities. Do you mind describing the process of what that looks like and, and yeah. how that's been so important in building your legacy as you continue to contribute um, your gift to the world? Yeah, man. Uh, it, the thing is for a lot of people, and this, I, I think we are in what I call an epidemic of shelf esteem, which means that I buy the book and it goes on the shelf in my house. And that's 90% of people. Then you have the 10% of people that take the book and they read it and it goes on the shelf of their mind. And then if you're lucky, I mean, you're like a, a one to 3%, they take it from the shelf of their mind into their life and they see it be realized. That's why we have the 1% because they're just doing things different. And so what I realized is like the information on the shelf and in my head, it's the same information, right? But, but we're, so we're buying the same courses, we're going to the same events, we're buying the same books, we're investing the same stuff. But it's, it's, why are certain people having success and some not? Why are some people who haven't bought that having success, right? I know people who are not intelligent at all, but make a great deal of money because they just, there's a difference, right? And I was like, what is that? And I realized there's an underlying thing that most people aren't addressing. That underlying issue, it's, it's, the, it's really like the, the sickness, we'll call it. It's not the symptom. Everyone's addressing the symptoms up here. Here's a symptom. We got, we're, we're you know, overworked, we're overwhelmed, we get burned out, we're you know, disorganized, um, I'm getting frustrated, I, whatever it might be, I can't make money, I can't get in shape, my relationship sucks. These are all symptoms. And we try to address those. We grab one of these things here and we'll try to work on one of these things here, but we never actually deal with the base root. And so because of that, we keep having more symptoms. And the base root is where we get that realm of identity, right? And it's actually what I call rhythm. And so when I work with people, my, my goal isn't to go in and teach you a strategy about your business. Dude, Eric, there are so many right now. That I, I guarantee if me and you sat down, we could think of 50 together easily in the first 20 minutes of different strategies that, that all would probably work, right? But that's not the issue. It's who you are with them, right? It's the rhythm of your life. When I find people are highly successful, it's not like a morning routine or even is a rhythm to their life. There, there's an in-between like the nooks and crannies of conscious subconscious actions that just seem to, God, they, they got this tick to them that makes, it, it seems easy. They look like they're having fun doing it. But if I try to do that, I, I've, oh, how do I get that? That's just so much, right? It's, so when I go and work with people, I pull things back and say, let's take a look at your rhythm. Like, how do you handle your, 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 all the, the instruments of your life, your health, wealth, relationships, and hobbies? Like, how do these things all weave? Are you, are you too much in the, the baseline of your career and you've taken, you know, no account of your health and you've lost sight of your relationships, they've fallen apart, right? Or maybe you're too much into your, your health. You don't focus on your relationships or your job falls apart. You're not growing in your career, right? So we take a look at the rhythm we have of life and we find that some people have a phenomenal rhythm and some people's rhythm sucks. And the people whose rhythm sucks, essentially, like they, they keep buying and trying things, but they can't seem to make it all work. It's like a good song, right? If me and you were listening to music and it's good music, I'll play the bad boy and repeat. I love it, right? And it's what people who have great lives have. They got this great rhythm of the tune. Those who don't, it's like, I keep wanting to skip that song to the next day and the next day and the next project, and the next opportunity, the next book and the next course, right? I keep switching and it's like, I can't find the rhythm. It just doesn't feel like I'm in, I'm in flow. But what happens is if once you get that rhythm and it's at a good tick, there's actually three kinds, man. There's this random rhythm, which is all over the place, like, like raindrops. It's not a rhythm, but it's there, right? It's like, I'm trying this and I'm doing this and I'm over here. And I get burned out. I shut down. I promise I'm going to get this thing done next week and it never gets done. You know, all these crazy things because the information's there, no rhythm. Then you have regular rhythm, which is the nine to five, the consistent flow. I do my thing, but it's never exciting. 
it's just it's a dun 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 dun. It's just it goes. You're you're able to survive, but you ain't living. You know what I mean? And then you have what I believe you have and I have. It's this what I call progressive rhythm. It's dun 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 dun. It can go up, but the rhythm's still there, right? It's like it's like it climbs and it builds and it builds. But I don't break the rhythm. I can still listen to it, right? The difference is there in terms of how people have success. When I look at people and I work with individuals, I'm not teaching new strategies because there's enough out there. I'm saying, how do we take a look at the rhythm you have? Is it random, regular? And then how do we look at making it progressive? Because when you can get to that flow, you can start adding things smooth. And then all of a sudden, yes, your, your, your rhythm is good. And you increase that, that beats per minute, we'll call it. And then all of a sudden, you're kicking stuff out at a high tick. And it feels just as good as when you were chilling and doing nothing, right? Emotionally, it's easy. So people come along and go, bro, how did you do that? And you tell them, and you know what they say? That's crazy. How do you do so much in a day? And I'm like, oh, it, I don't know. It's easy. I, I, it's, it's my rhythm. I progress to it. It's kind of like, um, you ever have to start like, oh, I have a frog in a pot. I've heard about this story of the frog. If you put a frog in boiling water, it'll jump out immediately, right? Yeah. But if you put a frog in, in the cold pot of water and you turn it up and it heats up over time, the frog will boil to death. It just, it gets normalized to every level. It's the same way when people try to buy a program from some guy or girl guru that says, I promise you this stuff if you do this thing. The strategies work, but if you try and jump into their world, it's too hot. You jump out, you can't do it. But if you learn in the background how to create a rhythm, you'll boil up to that temperature and handle it no problem. And so that's really when I, I take things back. I use something called a shift method, but it's all around resetting your rhythm. And identity shift, it's also for me synonymous with a rhythm reset. So when I'm going into people's lives and their work and their career and their goals, like we, we have things that we create and put in place from the follow, but really it's a matter of like, how do we take all the projects that you have, all the goals you have, aspirations you have, and take all the little nuances and trickle it back to a very specific daily rhythm that you put in place. And once you get used to that rhythm, how do we progress it? And progress it farther and farther. And the more we do that with people and they have this simple thing they're doing, it's a matter of just, it's ratcheting up that beat per minute, little by little. And all of a sudden over time, you've accomplished something amazing because of how we build it. At the same time, you also achieve something. And so if you think about it, you can't achieve without transforming. You have to achieve mm -hmm. something to feel like I've transformed. You also can't transform or sorry, you can't, uh, yeah, you can't transform without achieving something, right? So I can't transform inside if I haven't achieved something. I can't achieve something without transforming into somebody new, right? I got to be somebody to achieve this. So it's like a duality. And that is the shift. That's your identity. When I'm achieving and transforming, now we can kind of shift into that. So over this time of setting a new rhythm, I now become this person because you always hear, you become what you constantly do. So we put this yeah, rhythm yeah. in place. That's more than just habits, more than just routine. It's a matter of how I literally am living my day. And then I get this thing climbed up. Do people wake up one day and go, I don't know when, but I became a badass. Like I'm a monster. Like it just, I don't know when I can't, it wasn't like I can't put a timestamp to it, but I'm just dope right now. But it's all a matter of what they put in place and learned how to navigate through to build into that level. This is something you, you touched on duality. And I just wanted to emphasize it for a sec, because I, it sounds to me and what I'm hearing is like, this is so important when you are progressing to that level of pro pro progressive um, rhythm, uh, yeah. that you become so centered in, in who you are, that you are now just vibrating at this level of yeah. uh, frequency or rhythm that allows you to um, turn the conscious decisions that you're regularly making 
to a subconscious, like in your body, where now you're just regularly honing in on all of the things that you want to accomplish or achieve or do without yeah. wasting time. Yeah, so you are now. Because the thing is, whenever you're able to just do those, like I like the vibration, when it's who you are now, it just happens. And imagine if all the things that you know you need to do to move the needle in your life, they just happen, what I call effortless effort. Like mm -hmm. that's the key. This is what I did when I was at January, January of 2016, when I woke up and I was like, I got to figure this out. This is what I did. I had, I had already spent years with strategies and things. I took a look at all the sexual people. I was like, what are they doing? And I looked at their life and I was like, oh, they always would say this thing. Someone would say, who were you back when you were unsuccessful? And they'd always do this. Oh no, I was, I was somebody else back then. I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's mean. That means something. Everybody's saying this. Like, what does that look like? And that's where I started like looking at identity. It's like, oh, they kind of got a different tick, man, a different rhythm. And when I can tune into what that is and then create that, like that's how I climbed out. That's how I was able to get my wife back. I was able to fix the parenting relationship. I built the business up. I got in better shape. And now it's part of my, my life where people go, I, I could barely touch that, Anthony. Yeah, you could, couldn't right now. But you could if you learn how to reset your rhythm and then build it into this level. Anybody can. But if you don't, if you don't address this root cause, you're going to continue to keep experiencing the same symptoms you run into now. And when you say, um, and just for anybody listening, when it comes to a root cause, do you, can you give an example of like what a, a root cause could be? Yeah. So root cause could be, for example, how I may simple, how I may see opposition, right? There's a root way that I may immediately deal with it, right? So at the symptom level, I see opposition. I say, oh, the opposition is that my wife is, is just, she doesn't get me. So uh, we're going to fight and bicker over and over. I'm going to get a therapist. We're going to sit there in, in the room and we're going to argue about stuff all day long all these things, right? But if I if I go to the root, like I did, and I said, okay, I blame for a lot of years my wife on ruining the marriage. How dare you step out on me? How could you do this? When I went to the root and realized, oh, wait, man, as a human being, I was a horrible husband, man. I was gone from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. when she had a four-year-old and brand newborn twins trying to build this dream for me, right? It wasn't serving her. She was actually going out to fulfill her needs, not trying to maliciously attack me. Dang. All right. So if I want any relationship to work again, I can't be that guy because when I blame her, I don't work on me. So my root issue was the identity that I attached myself to as a husband is vastly different than who I attach myself to as a husband. Now, what matters, what doesn't matter where I spend my free time. So if we don't address these root issues and look at certain areas and hell, yeah, man, you're going to keep living that same symptom over and over. That's why people get into new relationships with a person with a different name, same kind of person. Different name. Susan did. All women suck. All men suck. Do they? But do they? You know, like, are you choosing the wrong person, which is part of your identity too? Because you'll, you'll, the barometer of how you hold your self worth is reflected in the person you choose to be a primary partner. If I choose somebody low, it's where I hold my self worth, right? It's an identity thing. And also, if I can't figure out how to make any relationship work, if I'm the common denominator in all my problems, I might want to look at the common denominator. Yeah, no kidding. That's such a powerful concept because I haven't had successful relationships and guess who's the common denominator, right? Like <laughs> you always are, dude. So it's, it's like, I'm in that process of like evolving, evolving, evolving. So bro, I want to like respect the time. I know that we, I could talk for you forever. Um, but, uh, <laughs> I'm really enjoying this, but I, I have, you know, first and foremost, like if somebody wants to like connect with you, get to yeah. know more about how they can work with you, what's the best way to connect, uh, reach out to you, um, at, um, see, you know, get more information. 
Yeah, yeah. First thing people do is uh, go to trucksteam.com. My team, uh, my shift strategists, they're amazing people who walk people through how this method works. We have something called Rhythm Reset Technology. We have a full curriculum, a ton of support. I call my canopy coverage support system. So if people want to work with us, um, we do a phenomenal job of helping deconstruct all of this and putting it into a very simple daily practice that you do uh, that becomes a new rhythm. But yeah, go to trucksteam.com. My team will hop on the phone with you for free. Amazing. Beautiful. Uh, thank you, brother. And last question before we go. Yeah. If you had three days left to live, brother, what would you do? Yeah. Oh, three days. I would carve an entire two days out for my family. And I would carve one day, the first day to, to talk to the world. I would spend a, the, the entire day finding a way to make sure I could plant my message in as in many places as possible. The last two days would just be the people that matter most to me, man. Those who live in my house. Beauty, brother. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time coming out and like, it was amazing to connect. We got to do this again and schedule. You got to, man. Much. Count me in. You got to get on my podcast and I'll come hang out with you again in the future, bro. Count me yeah, in. Yeah, bro. I can't wait. It'll be great. It'll be great. Cool. Um, it'll be a lot of fun, man. It was, it was amazing. I hope you're doing amazing. Give the best to your family, bro. Thank and you. Any final word you want to share? Ah, uh, no, man. Got their makeshift happen, people. Make shift happen. That's what I'm all about, man. Making cool, crazy things happen in life. Amazing, brother. Talk to you soon, bro. All right. Later.